We excel at aerospace and need to make sure that it stays this way instead of declining. And we kind of worry right now that some players, some decision makers may not be aware enough of what's going on with our industry and the state of the international or global competition. Many, many other nations uh, see the benefits of having a thriving aerospace industries within, within their, their, their boundaries. And, and we see that this is starting to hurt our market share a little bit. So as Canadians, uh, we can't just sit on our laurels. We have to really, really work hard at making sure that we keep that knowledge here. Hello and welcome to another episode of Making It in Ontario, the official podcast of the Trillium Network for Advanced Manufacturing. I'm your host, Nick Persichilli, and in this episode, I once again chat with some friends of ours from Downsview Aerospace Innovation and Research. This time, my guests were Maurice Harvey, Executive Director, Andrew Petru, Chair of the Board, and Phil Arthurs, Director of Operations. As you'll be able to tell almost immediately, I was very excited to be there because, as a manufacturing nerd, aeronautics is among my favorite subjects to discuss, second only to astronautics. And I have to say, again, our aerospace sector really is a jewel in the crown of our manufacturing capabilities. After a quick history lesson about DARE, we jumped right into the main subject of the episode, namely DARE's Green Fund. As you'll recall from the previous DARE episode, Alex Tasoulis explained the importance of ensuring that your supply chain from top to bottom is properly trained and properly tooled. The Green Fund is a continuation of that idea, focusing specifically on reducing the environmental impact of aerospace manufacturing. Because it's not just about building a bigger, faster engine or an entirely new airframe. Reducing the environmental impact of aerospace manufacturing could also mean finding novel ways of reducing waste in the manufacturing process, improved software to reduce R&D times, investments in additional Industry 4.0, basically anything that reduces your footprint in making flying things. The Green Fund is a great place to start. And thanks to groups like DARE, there's a lot more to come. There we go. We're rolling again. And I am in a very cool boardroom. One of my favorites in the GTA, quite frankly. I am at Downsview Aerospace Innovation and Research, and I'm being joined by three friends. Immediately to my left, would you please introduce yourself? Yes, I'm Maurice Harvey, and I'm the Executive Director of DARE. And directly next to you. Andrew Petra, the Chair of the Board for DARE. There you go. And directly next to you. And Phil Arthurs, I'm the Director of Operations for DARE. Thanks to all of you for joining us today. This is technically the second episode of D.A.R.E., because if you'll recall, the first one we did was with Alex DeSoulis, and that episode was very well received, very well reviewed. It, ha it offered a lot of insights, uh, specifically about the supply chain of aerospace manufacturing in Ontario and the importance of training it properly. That was a great episode. And by the way, to those of you listening, you're going to hear background noises because, I mean, it's D.A.R.E. and there's lots going on. What is going on here today, actually, before we get started? What's happening here? What are we hearing? Well, you probably want to be, uh, you know, precise about the location we find ourselves in. So we're actually at the uh, Centennial College Aerospace Campus here mm. in Downsview. Uh, it's also called the Bombardier Center for Aviation, or Aerospace and Aviation, rather. Uh, and there's obviously a lot of students and a, a lot of airplanes uh, being worked on that some of them, as you can actually hear the engines um, revving. Is right? that what we're hearing? That's what we're hearing, yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's exciting to see the uh, the, the students are out uh, on the aircraft, learning about the systems, learning about how to uh, understand how they 
get put together, uh, learning the, the maintenance of, of different systems. And we can absolutely hear uh, some engines being uh, revved up uh, outside on the tarmac uh, next to some, uh, some amazing aircraft. Wow, that's cool. I, I'm going to resist the temptation to ask what kind of engines because we could split off on a tangent and never get to what we're actually talking about today. So let's talk DARE. I will throw this to the group. Let's, let's start with the history. What, what can you tell us about the history of where we're at today? Well, I mean, it's an interesting question. I mean, the, the history is steeped back to pre-World War I when you look at the site. Pre-World War I? Uh, yes. Uh, the, the, it's originally a military base, um, and that's the genesis of the Downsview site, military base, uh, Air Force base. And it's been a place of innovation and evolution, and, and DARE is part of that history. And excited to say that the genesis came from the gathering of uh, representatives of Bombardier, uh, Centennial, and Utias, and TMU, formerly known as Ryerson. And we initiated a, a, a gathering of academics and industry partners to work together to help improve aerospace for Ontario and be part of the uh, solution for Canada. And uh, here we are today now functioning as we are and investing and supporting the growth of the aerospace industry through hard work that uh, I'll let Marise and Phil get into and excited to uh, wish people could see where we're at. Uh, we're in the very historic building actually where de Havilland started. So this is the, the, the kind of the roots of de Havilland here in Canada. I could personally attest to how cool this building is. It's uh, last time I was here was the event where we launched. What was that event again where you guys launched? Uh, there was the, the was it was an announcement, uh, some funding that we received from the uh, federal government, from FedDev Ontario, mm. when allowed us to launch uh, exciting programs that we're going to talk about a little bit later, but one of which is the Green Fund, which we're very excited about because it, it is really um, allowing us to do great work in greening the aerospace industry in, in various ways, and we're going to get into those details soon. Nice. And also a supplier development initiative to help. Actually, it actually touches upon what you just said about Alex's two lists um, comment, commentaries on training the supply chain or ensuring that your suppliers are aligned with what you're trying to do as an OEM and that they're working uh, optimally together, if you will. So that was the announcement. We're going to talk about those initiatives in a minute. Awesome. And yeah, that day, it was, it was a much warmer day that day. Let's talk about some of those funds, because, I mean, we are here today to talk about some of that. Greening, environmental, development, and all of that stuff. I think a lot of people know what it is. What can we... Tell us a little bit about what's happening in the aerospace sector writ large in terms of greening and what, we're, and what you guys are seeing. Can I start with telling you about our purpose a little bit absolutely because i think yeah. that it, it everything always ties in with our purpose the main purpose Please. of dare is what andrew alluded to a couple of minutes ago and it's about increasing collaboration within the sector collaboration means working together breaking the silos ensuring that people connect exchange information in a way that allows them to trust each other and, and basically work together in a way that is very positive and produces an outcome that makes us basically be better at what we do or makes them be better at what they do. So we're talking about industry and academia, obviously working together. Increasingly, 
so, so that's our purpose. We're also talking about large companies working with small companies and vice versa, a little bit more than they uh, do. And we're trying to facilitate this in many, many ways. So our purpose is always that. It's kind of a, I like to say, I mean, it's tied to the greater good, right? The greater good of the industry. It's good for not only our, the industry and academia, but it's good for the country. It's good for the province. It's also allowing everybody to play to their strengths and be the best they can be uh, and be the best, best they can be and be the best at what they do, right? So we're trying to enable that. Seems uh, probably a little bit abstract, but we do that through the programs you were referring to. And I'll let Phil talk about those programs a little bit and how we try to yeah, make the industry be better in many ways. Absolutely. And I think it speaks, uh, Nick, to to what you said. You kind of start at uh, what's happening globally. And of course, there's a, uh, a big push across sectors and, and specifically in aerospace for um, sustainability, uh, very aggressive targets. Uh, you know, 2050 and, and beyond, you know, pushing towards net zero for, for our industry. And that's going to take a lot of work and a lot of collaboration, as, uh, as Maurice was saying. And, you know, we want to look at what, what's Canada's role in sustainability and greening of our industry. How can our academics play a key role, the amazing research and facilities that are here? What are the, the, the ideas and, and concepts, you know, new design production methods that the large players in aerospace are working on? But also, what are the innovative ideas that SMEs, that the small players are, are working on? And how can we embed those, advance them, and really push them into this into this industry because to get to that net zero targets those sustainability targets there's there's no silver bullet it needs to be a holistic approach uh, we need to be looking at all different avenues and you know that really then comes to to what role um, can dare play uh, who are the partners can we bring together to advance these ideas and and how can we leverage as we talked about through that event last year some funding we received to push green and sustainable technologies um, and methodologies. And so that gets into uh, what we would consider a very successful first round of our green fund, uh, a program whereby we can support uh, with that um, funding from FedDev Ontario, uh, a number of small and medium sized companies to take projects and advance them towards commercialization in a variety of different sustainable or green technologies or, or methods. And, um, you know, we're excited in the coming month, uh, we're actually going to be announcing um, the inaugural uh, or, or the first uh, uh, selected projects that are taking part uh, through the Green Fund. And our hope is to uh, continue these types of initiatives and, and continue to support collaborative uh, industry and academia research uh, that can uh, lead towards new ideas for sustainability in aerospace. Can I come to that? You're always invited, Nick. <laughs> awesome. Then I will be there. That sounds awesome. I think it's safe to say that a, num a large number of nerds listen to this podcast. They like the tech because, well, let's face it, I'm a bit of a tech nerd myself. Let's talk about some of the technology that you guys are working on here because I remember one of the things that Alex said when he was talking about, or, you know, he was, he, he was opining whether or not we're entering the golden age of aviation. He was saying that the development of, you know, the next aerospace innovation and for, for airplanes isn't necessarily going to be a bigger, better, faster engine. It might just be a quieter cabin or something to that effect. 
what can you tell us about some of the projects or some of the uh, so, some of the uh, the SMEs that are that are working on stuff right now? I know you can't tell me much, but what can you tell me? Yeah, there's a it's it's a very interesting question, Nick, and I think it's both within the Green Fund program, but also beyond the the projects that our companies are working on that are happening right here at Downsview, either here at the the Bombardier Center for Aviation and Aerospace, uh, the Centennial College campus, at the Landing Gear Innovation Lab, at the TMU Aerospace Engineering Center across the street. You're absolutely right. It's um, uh, you're looking at research projects focused on new materials, looking at lightweighting, amazing advances in additive manufacturing. Uh, You're looking at cabin interiors and the passenger experience uh, for aircraft. Um, We have projects that that we see that that are focused in in new technologies uh, for research and and development, but also training when it comes to AR, VR. And we're also looking and seeing amazing uh, work being done to advance the processes in manufacturing. How do we make them cleaner? How do we make them more sustainable uh, within the actual manufacturing process? So that kind of speaks back to the holistic nature of of the solutions. So new aircraft design, new engines, all of that uh, work that can take place, but also a wide variety of of projects that, um, that we see happening right here in Ontario and across Canada. So when I was pulling in, I noticed that there was a new jet parked off on the side there since the last time I was here. I believe that's the Bombardier Global 7500, correct? Correct. Now, that airplane, what can you tell me about that plane? Because what I remember seeing in the news is that is Bombardier's global flagship. Yeah. So what what can you tell me about that? Well, that's the the exciting part for when you you connect the dots. So in in normal times, uh, students, particularly in the college system, uh, even the university system work on planes that have been around for 10, 15, 20 years. They're now holding on to a plane that is state of the art, leading edge, and allows them to be industry ready uh, when they graduate from, from this site. The Global 7500 is, uh, to me, Canadian pride. We can't forget that it's made here, designed here, built here, and not only here in uh, Ontario and, and Toronto and, and, and soon to be at Pearson, but also, it flies to Montreal to get its, its finishing, so it's, an, it's part of the nation. I won't even get into the details how many people work on that plane, from engineers to uh, the assemblers, and to see a fully, it's a fully functional plane that now is grounded uh, because it, it is here to be trained on, and it's the only one that has been donated around the world, so it's one of a kind, a stunning piece of engineering, uh, exciting just to, to, to if I could describe the emotions of the students the day it, it rolled in, I was blown away. I mean, I, I was uh, uh, part of the discussions a few years back, but to see their faces, the excitement, the pictures, the selfies, the, oh man, we get to actually work on this plane. You, you can't even describe it beyond, it, it, was, it was better than I thought the response would be. So yeah, that's that's a big piece for us. Um, and it's not only about for Centennial, now we allow us to discuss, and don't forget the supply chain feeds into that global. Um, there, there are many companies that have built parts for this plane that'll be flying for many years to come, well beyond probably our time. So this is the exciting part. This is the leading edge and advantage that uh, a donation like that brings. So we, we really applaud Bombardier for seeing the, the value of doing what they did. 
May I just add that this, I mean, you said it's a source of pride. It, it's an amazing source of pride for Canadian uh, aerospace and for Canada and Canadians as a whole. I mean, to be able to produce such an amazing airplane is, is something else. And it's that aerospace awareness piece that is also part of our mandate uh, as DARE, right? It's uh, being an advocate for the industry to make sure that the, I'm going to say the public, which is a very broad term, but that Canadians and Ontarians understand the power of this industry and how great we are at it and how important it is to, to ensure that it continues to flourish in the province and in the country. And that's also part of our role at DARE is to make sure that not only the public but decision makers are aware of this industry and all the great things that we accomplish but also the uh, economic benefits and the, the what it does to, yeah, you were mentioning how, stu how proud the students were. I mean, and you too, Nick, you mentioned how passionate you are about aviation, aerospace, even rocket, rocket science. You mentioned quantum computing and spending your time, you know, thinking about things like that. But this is a source of pride for a nation, right? To be able to play in such complicated industry and to excel at it. We are, we excel at aerospace and need to make sure that it stays this way instead of declining. And we kind of worry right now that some players, some decision makers may not be aware enough of what's going on with our industry and the state of the international or global competition. Many, many other nations uh, see the benefits of having a thriving aerospace industries within, within their, their, their boundaries. And, and we see that this is starting to hurt our market share a little bit. So as Canadians, uh, we can't just sit on our laurels. We have to really, really work hard at making sure that we keep that knowledge here and build upon it by training the new, uh, you know, visionary aerospace visionaries and innovators of tomorrow, but also by investing in research and development and innovation uh, throughout the country and certainly in Ontario. No, I, mean, I, I, I echo my days and I don't want to deviate off that line other than that the global demonstrates a spark to the, the next generation. But it, we can't just rest on just the global. The global is, is, is a, an example and we need to, to allow that fostering of innovating to keep competing on a global scale because it's only it's only Bombardier. It's our it's our lone uh, it's our it's our lone wolf right now. We need to to help strengthen around it and build around it. So okay, so myself as a manufacturing person, I understand the challenges. Let's say of automotive because I came from automotive. I understand the challenges broadly speaking of this industry. But when I look at that jet and I think, wow, that's gorgeous, and I can only imagine the tech that's in there. And then I hear, oh, there's also challenges to this industry. All like I'm a nerd for the tech. I don't know the challenges of this industry. So if you could, please educate me about some of the challenges facing this sector, if you could. Because if there's anything, fa if there's anything challenging, making more of those, I'd like to help you take those challenges down. I mean, you mentioned automotive. Uh, we look at other sectors, and in certain ways, the similar types of challenges that exist in other sectors exist in aerospace as well. Uh, there are issues and challenges that uh, that we need to work on in the supply chain you know how do we strengthen the, the supply chain we have you know amazing aircraft like that uh, coming off the line uh, but you also look at the industry here in Ontario across Canada and we're supplying aircraft programs uh, both commercial defense on the space side as well uh, around the world and how do we strengthen 
those manufacturers, the the tier twos, the tier ones, the tier threes uh, that are supporting this industry? How do we advance their technologies? How do we ensure that uh, they're able to take advantage of new opportunities in the global supply chain? Um, how do we increase efficiency in supply chain? And that also comes back to what Maurice was saying around training. And this is a common refrain, you know, how do we find, not just find, but train the next generation of workforce. And to have a strong supply chain means you need to have a available, skilled, you know, workforce uh, to, to feed into not just the Bombardiers of the world, uh, not just the Collins and Safran and Mitsubishis of the world, but all of the supply, the suppliers through throughout. And so, you know, what's the role? How can we ensure that the skilled labor is available? The programs are available to upskill and to ensure that these these workers um, are meeting the needs of, of the industry. So there's the similar types of pressures in aerospace that there are in other sectors you know, with some nuances, the sector is a little bit, uh, a little bit different, but, you know, you look at a lot of commonalities with, with other sectors, Nick, uh, that we need to address. I would add that uh, although there are similarities and, and we want also to collaborate with industries that have similarities with us, we look at the automotive sector that you're familiar with, Nick, there's things to learn from, for aerospace from the uh, auto industry and vice versa. Maybe there can be some exchanges on the materials, on, on, on production uh, practices, on the introduction of, uh, of, you know, of, uh, of technologies, uh, digital technologies and, and robotics, things like that. So there's, there's things to explore in that regard. But what I would say, however, is that aerospace is different in terms of scale, right? It doesn't produce as much as many say units, it's not consumer goods, right? An airplane is not really a consumer good uh, like a car would be. There's fewer parts being made, so the volume's not the same. Uh, but most importantly, I would think, it's on the risk side of things, right? Aerospace is, I mean, there's no margin of error in aerospace, right? You cannot uh, make mistakes, you have to make everything perfectly, I'm going to say, and, I, and, 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 and this, is, this is actually the word we need to use because it has to be perfect. There's really no room for error. And that has implications on the length of the R&D cycles, which means that investing in, uh, in R&D for uh, aerospace takes a lot of time and is extremely costly. And this is part of why, and it's a simple, I would say maybe a little bit of a summary explanation, but why nations around the world tend to, or countries around the world, to invest in their industry. So governments support their aerospace industries to try and help de-risk it a little bit and make it more affordable for industry to invest in R&D make it happen within their boundaries, but also make it a little bit less costly for them so that they can be enabled uh, to, to perform that R&D within their boundaries. To build off of both Philomarie's, if, if you look at it, there's only, I believe, seven countries that have planes that, that actually fly, uh, and Canada's one of them. That's a huge advantage. You can't just build a plane and fly it and say it's going to work. It's hard. We can see countries like China trying to get into this, into this field and struggling, throwing piles of money. As a nation, we're punching way above our weight. We have the knowledge infrastructure. 
It dates way back, back to World War One, and it's still growing. But we need to not lose sight of the the the, the global uh, competition is growing. There's countries in, in in sending incentives to our companies to leave, and we got to be careful. Say that again. So you have to understand for manufacturing. There's, a, there's other countries incentivizing others to leave, to go elsewhere. That's, that's, not, that's not, not, not a hidden secret. That's reality. Because if they can offer the fertile grounds to, to produce, then, then our companies are, are sadly looking elsewhere and, and screaming, going, I want to stay, but we need to work together. And it goes to collaboration. If I can identify, and I'm not looking to point fingers, but I will a little bit, is the governments, both federally and provincially, need to respond at industry speed. They can't delay because if the delay occurs, then they are losing companies to other jurisdictions. So we, as DARE, are trying to be the Rosetta Stone to push that knowledge to the others. As academia tries to, uh, remember, let's take back to the ecosystem. I'm going to take a step back. What's success? Success is for every 20 ideas, we might get one. So we need to continue to produce those ideas. Our strong, powerful universities, which are world leaders, have many of those, those people producing incredible ideas. People, we then need to foster that growth. And then we need to scale up. And that's where the colleges demonstrate such great work to be able to build that workforce. And safe jurisdictions, the ability to build out is critical. It's, not, it's that formula. Yes, some manufacturing will go offshore if it's cheap to be done, fine. But we can allow for incentivizing particular SMEs to be plucked out of here and go. So we need to fight to keep them here. Can you tell me about what those incentives are? There's jurisdictions all over the world offering anywhere from free capital to build facilities to guaranteeing of labor force. It, it is tax, tax breaks. Tax breaks. These, this is the reality we're, we're dealing with. And so as a nation, we need to understand we got to level the playing field. Companies like Bombardier are battling on a regular basis to say, you got to understand our industry. Other jurisdictions are supporting those other countries for this industry because it is a very prosperous or lucrative industry for, for all the way from the company to the staff. The average salary is very strong for people in this industry. So we need as a nation to realize this is a sector that we've led in. It's not a new sector to us. And guess what? The bleed that's occurring across this sector and other technologies, we also lead in. So if we allow the focus, so for example, um, AI, uh, we, we, we show great demonstration. I mean, you, you're more the tech, uh, the, the, the tech nerd than I am. So you know that you can look at the avionics systems, the whole uh, simulation world. Uh, the gaming world actually can, can align with aerospace as well in, in that simulation world. So if you start seeing all these movements, we have the ability to actually, as Gretzky would say, meet the puck where it's going to be and take it to the next point. I know it's used many times, but it's very valid. Just the, the data on exports is very, you know, speaks for itself, right? When a few industries can say that they basically export 80% of what they produce, what aerospace does, because you're talking about direct wealth creation for the country, which you can then redistribute amongst a population, right? So it's really, really important for Canada to make sure that these industries stay here and continue to create that wealth for the nation, right? And I think it speaks, I mean, it comes back to our, you know, the purpose of DARE and, and what we strive to do around collaboration. And, you know, we've spoken about the amazing collaboration between academics and industry. But if we're really going to continue 
to compete with these uh, other jurisdictions for aerospace uh, around the world, we also need to be really collaborating all across Canada and, and finding ways to, to support each other. And, you know, at DARE, we're lucky to, to partner and work with, you know, other organizations to really drive this whole of Canada approach for aerospace and growth. Um, you know, when you look at organizations, you know, at a national level, like, like AIAC and CCAA, you know, our, our core partner here in Ontario, the Ontario Aerospace Council, when you look at, you know, across the border to Aero Montreal, you know, yes, we, we have, you know, regional differences, but, you know, as a nation, this, this industry is so vital. Uh, and that's why it's so important to be working together to meet these challenges, uh, which I know we can. And, uh, and that's where we, we really see DARE playing a role, working uh, collaboratively, not just with industry and academic, of course, but with these other organizations with a, a shared goal for aerospace. So there's no boundaries for us, right? We see aerospace uh, in Canada. We see uh, aerospace in Ontario. We recognize the, um, the talent and the abilities that we have, but we don't see the boundaries. Uh, not only the sky's the limit, but also in terms of uh, provinces, uh, although we're grounded in Downsview and are really focused on Ontario now, particularly with our new initiatives, uh, which are funded by FedDev Ontario, uh, our mindset is really one of uh, Team Canada, right? We've got to work together, and uh, even if it means taking some risks sometimes, uh, we have to do this, break the barriers and, and, and work and be stronger as a, as a Canadian industry overall. It sounds to me like what happened to the Avro Arrow could possibly happen to the industry if we're not careful. Is that safe to say? Well, the Avro Arrow got <laughs> cancelled, <laughs> if I may say so, right? The program which was funded by the was it the Department of National Defense? Got canceled. So they stopped it, decided that it wasn't something they wanted to pursue. They can't really do that now. This in the context is a bit different, but for sure, if you don't invest in R&D and fight for those great jobs and for the anything related to the value added that's related to R&D, STEM, like anything having to do with creating that wealth and those new ideas and innovation. If you don't do it, if you don't support it, then other nations support it. Yeah, you will see your industry erode for sure. I think we have to be careful. The knowledge infrastructure in Canada continues to exist and is, and is vibrant. And we see that growth. We, we, we unfortunately sometimes look at the story of the arrow, and which is very inspiring to me. What we could have been, we sometimes think. But you know, if you want to look at some of the losses, that's one. I, I look at the C-Series and say there's another loss. We, that, was a, that was a Canadian plane. Yes, it is still built here, but it's under Airbus now. And that, and that, that hurts because that, that's a, a design uh, that was Canadian. Uh, it's leading and it'll be around for a long time. But we also got to look at the wins, and, and we've got a lot of them. Um, one of them sitting right out there. Isn't you, it? you said it. The global is something that we need to, to, to again, and it's not just protecting it, it's growing it and allowing and fostering uh, the ability for Bombardier and its supply chain, which is nationwide, to, to grow and be strengthened here. We look back at stories of innovation that we have, and, it's, and I, I'm just touching the surface. I welcome you uh, to do a podcast with uh, all the professors at Utias and see the incredible things they're doing for all the sector in leading edge, if they're allowed to. I don't know if they're, uh, look at Phil and say, uh, possibly. And that's just one. I mean, TMU uh, is doing incredible things just across the road. Uh, and, and you can go around Waterloo, Queens. 
um, York, uh, they, they all are doing impressive things. But again, back to de Havilland quickly on that story of success, is after World War II and the bombers were ended, the decision was made and given to de Havilland to say, you guys got to survive. No more, the bombers aren't needed. So what are we going to produce? So they created technology here. And it ties back to what Marie said. It's, it's, you got to look at it as a collective, as a nation. And yes, they designed short takeoff and landings. But if it wasn't for the work that was happening in Quebec with the PT-6 engine, which was an issue, but it was solved in Quebec, again in Canada, allowing a light engine to fly these planes and take short takeoff and landings, it opened up then opportunity exploration to uh, northern, northern Canada. So wh- when we say that we lost the C-Series, we had, we, we had it. We had the design, right? Now, I want to focus on, that's what we had, right? We had the design, right? We didn't build the whole plane, but we, we definitely had a lot, did, did most of the R&D work around that. That was my point. Thank you. So we did all the work. We got it built, and then it was, thank you. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. I'm afraid. And I think yeah. that's, that's sometimes an unfortunate refrain, regardless of sector, for innovation in Canada. You know, some would say that we're, we're very good at, at the new ideas, but when it comes to, you know, bringing to market or commercialization, um, you know, we often lag behind and we lose out with, um, with things being bought or, or being moved out of the country. And I think, you know, that's something, you know, you look at, again, the entire ecosystem, the, the academics, the industry, organizations, you know, like ourselves and, and our partners, as I mentioned before, and, and government, you know, how do we bridge that gap to make sure that, the amazing work that's happening here in in R&D and, and other aspects, we can turn into that real economic gain for the country as well and, and make sure that we don't lose what we're, what we're creating here. So let's pull it back to the Green Fund then. I assume the point of the Green Fund, among other things, is to help. I mean, like, like we said, there's no silver bullet, but I mean, we've got some bullets and I guess the Green Fund is one of them, right? Let's let's close this on the discussion about the Green Fund. Where what are the targets? What are you looking to do? Uh, who should know about the Green Fund? I mean, Trillium is 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 you know we're here to support the industry. Who should know about this? And we're happy to pump tires on it. Well, the first I'm going to say version of the Green Fund is now well underway. Things are going very well. As Phil mentioned, we're going to be unveiling the projects very shortly. So that would be February 2023. So, so this, this is going really well. We're going to be promoting for sure the progress that we make through the Green Fund and the achievements that are made through, uh, by those SMEs, because by the way, those are most led by SMEs, which is, which is amazing because we're enabling the creation of, of new, not only new technologies, but building new companies as well, which is wonderful and, and a great things to, thing to do. However, always concerned about the future the sustainability of the industry, yes, but also of the organization and thinking about, okay, so what's next for there and what are we going to work on next? Well, would really love to see another green fund, right? Because this was what went off. We'd love to have another a version, we call it internally, version 2.0 of that green fund. And then you ask who should know about it? Well, absolutely everybody who's interested in R&D including potential partners. So I'm talking SME, I'm talking also large companies that can work with the SMEs, maybe do a bit of mentoring and collaboration in, in, in helping them to uh, maybe elevate their R&D. And academia, obviously, right? Those partnerships are very, very important so that you minimize the chances of 
I'm not going to say failing, but you optimize, let's go positive, like optimize chances of success by bringing, again, those players who can help share their knowledge, share their expertise, and make sure that we, you know, elevate the projects uh, individually. That's a great point, and, and I, I would add, you know, the Green Fund projects we've been able to, to support in this first round, you know, these are projects that, you know, will continue, uh, that will continue to look for partners, both academic and industry. Through our outreach and our connection with SMEs and the broader industry, there's, there's many of these collaborative projects that companies you know, we want to facilitate connections. That's that's a main part of what we can do is is facilitate connections. So, you know, we want to make aware of these amazing projects that are happening here in Ontario and across Canada, and uh, and we want to showcase them. You know, via funding programs like the Green Fund and support them through funding programs like the Green Fund, but also through forums, uh, whether they be pitch sessions or events uh, here on site or, or virtually and facilitate connections to interested parties who want to either invest or partner with or help commercialize these amazing uh, ventures. And, you know, that's that's really what we're trying to do with the Green Fund, as well as hopefully Green Fund 2.0. And I would say also through other initiatives that we mentioned at the top, the Supplier Development Initiative, and uh, something that not focused on the R&D, but we talked about strengthening a supply chain. And this is all about increasing the capacity and capabilities of these SMEs in the supply chain for aerospace and how can we you know take them to the next level so these are the types of things that we're currently doing that we're um, will continue uh, to do uh, ourselves at DARE and with our partners I want to thank you guys for your time and I, I just want to say as we've been recording this if I look outside to my left I see the the empennage of that is the correct word for it, right? The empennage? That's correct. The empennage of the Global 7500. And then I look to my right and I see a row of lockers for students. And I think that's a pretty cool visual. So I think uh, the, in uh, the future of the industry, I think, is in pretty good hands with our good friends at DARE. So thank you so much for speaking with me today. Thank you for having us. Thank you.